You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Happy Friday! It's Spain and Fitz. Spain and Fitz. You take the last two shows, you put them together, you got both of us, and all of a sudden, here we are. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. We're together again to give you a Friday show. Come on. I yep. thought you were going to go hokey pokey. Like, what do you do? Turn the, it all it, around. That's yeah, what it's all about. You, you take you take the last show, the next show. Yeah, yeah. I thought that's where yeah. we were going. I thought we were doing we, Friday. We dancing. could do that. We could do that. Uh, <laughs> Fitz was on Wednesday. I was on last night. Now we're here together. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. We have a lot to get to. I am super pumped to talk to Bamani Jones about the MLB All Star Game and draft being moved out of Georgia. I am super pumped to talk to Jay Billis. All things. College sports, uh, Final Four, coaching moves, ins and outs, and lifetime deals. Yeah, we're going to get to all that. Plus, we got quickies. Plus, we got sports tender. It's all too much is what it is. Uh, as I mentioned, Fitz, we're going to get into the MLB stuff. Uh, there's a lot to say about that, and I can't wait for Bomani's takes. But there is a Final Four game happening as we speak. We are at halftime of one of the two women's Final Four games on the docket. Let's just set these up for folks. If you haven't been watching the women's tournament you have been missing out. Incredible games, incredible play. And this game that we're watching right here, number one Stanford versus number one South Carolina. It's 31-25 Stanford at the half. We got Staley versus Vanderveer coaching in this game. Both of them won an Olympic gold medal together 25 years ago. By the way, Rebecca Lobo on the call also played in that game with Staley. So you got three of those Olympians from that game in this uh, on the call or, or coaching and uh, this is a rematch of a 2017 Final Four meeting. This is two teams that know what they're doing, two coaches that have been here before. And Fitz, what we've seen so far is is a lot of Stanford trying to take South Carolina out of what they do best. They've out-rebounded them. They've limited their effectiveness in the paint. This is a team that gets only almost 60% of its points in the paint. And when Stanford asserts itself and dominates the style, you're in trouble. Yeah, that's a really good point, Sarah. And, and you know, I, I guess you, you mentioned the name Don Staley earlier. And there's one thing that I think both the men's and women's side have in common, that there are certain coaches that just become the brand of, of their team. And so I went into this game really excited to see what Coach Staley was going to draw up. It feels like right now, though, that the edge is going to Stanford because they are absolutely suffocating. It, it, it's like they're collapsing in in a way that South Carolina hasn't figured out how to counter. And so South Carolina is going to have to make some shots to open up the lane, and that just hasn't happened the way they need it to. So little surprise to, to see South Carolina sort of stuck in the mud against Stanford in this one early on but also it is still only halftime so let's see where this goes this game living up to the hype though i mean these these girls have come out and they're playing with a a ton of energy ton of explosiveness it's a fun watch we just saw in the last round that no matter what kind of lead you have on stanford you cannot feel safe so when the gamecocks (laughs) got off to a hot start it wasn't a panic for the stanford cardinal they figured out how to get their way back in you cannot rest once you get up on them what we're also seeing is real top heavy performance from south carolina you got 12 from zaya cook you got seven from Aliyah boston and that's about it the next highest points from anybody is four on the other side for standard stanford much more balanced attack jones with nine hull with eight williams with six practical with seven off the bench so um stanford is working the ball around well and finding those players that can step up uh certainly not a dominant performance from anyone one just yet even though early on it did seem like Jones was getting hot um nothing yet from Fran Believe Believe who everyone loves to keep an eye on Fitz of course because at any moment you're waiting for that breakaway dunk uh we saw her before she was even a collegiate player throwing them down and now there's those moments in the game where we're all kind of like 
Is it going to happen? <laughs> and we just we haven't gotten that great breakaway jam that we've been looking for. But uh, all eyes on Fran Believe whenever anytime uh, we think that might happen. You got a feeling about this game at the half? It's pretty close still. I know Stanford has uh, been getting the energy at the end of that half, but it was it was a good early start for South Carolina. Yeah, it, it felt like South Carolina fell invisible in the last five, six minutes. I don't think that sustains. I still believe that they'll be able to come out. They've got to shoot a little better. They will. I, I think South Carolina is going to come out and get it done in the second half. I'm taking the Gamecocks in this also partially because I picked them before this game. So I really need that to happen. <laughs> uh, but there is some element of you feel like they can't be this lost, that lost for that long. You know, right. and that, that I think they'll fix that in the second half. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. We've got two women's final four games tonight. We've got the one currently underway. And then coming up at 9.30 Eastern on ESPN, number one seed Connecticut taking on number three Arizona. Ari McDonald has scored more than 30 points in each of the last two tournament games for Arizona, averaging nearly 60% shooting. She was Pac-12 player of the year. Pac-12 defensive player co-share honors going up against Beckers, who's the AP Press Player of the Year overall. Obviously, UConn more tested, more experienced. Most of their, or at least a a predominance of their players, uh, have made it to a postseason and played in tournament games before. Relatively new for a lot of the Arizona folks. Uh, And and fits what we often talk about, the Beckers versus McDonald. What we saw in previous games, like Iowa versus UConn, where it was less about Clark versus Beckers as it was the supporting cast. And that's when we saw Kristen Williams and Avina Westbrook step up. I think we're going to see that a lot tonight. Beckers knows when to turn it on, and she did in that last game. But she also has that court vision and the ability to see how to set up her teammates. I think we're going to see a balanced attack from the top three of that UConn team. Yeah, that's such a great analysis, Sarah, because when you look at this, I mean, that's where UConn can beat anybody and why I think they're going to win this tournament is, you know, it's it's easy for us to focus on Paige Beckers, and rightfully so because of how incredible she is. But even if you look at it and say, okay, we are going to take Paige out of this game, you don't beat UConn that way. You have to take multiple players out, and you've got to account for whoever gets hot in whatever moment they get hot. So uh, you're talking about a team where, for UConn, where about 36% of their their points are coming from freshmen, I believe, at this point, 45% mm. coming from freshmen. So they're getting so many contributions across the board from players that are just capable of turning it on at any point. I don't know how you beat UConn. So that's going to be Arizona's challenge because they're going to have to get points from more than just McDonald. They're going to have to get points. Somebody else is going to have to step up. I think that's easier for UConn to do in this matchup. And Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz on ESPN Radio on a Friday. Can't go on and set up this game without pointing out that before it's even begun, Arizona getting disrespected. By the NCAA. Now, listen, I know it's hard to act shocked by anything after they tried to offer up 64 teams, one weight rack, and three yoga mats, but it's possible to still find them completely abhorrent. They released a women's Final Four promotional video on Thursday, and I want to let you know that in a Final Four, there are four teams. I just want to make sure everybody knows that. (laughs) Final Four means that there are four final teams remaining, and they did not include one of them. There's only four teams, NCAA, and you managed to make a video promoting the Final Four that only involved South Carolina, Stanford, and UConn. Not a single player, not a single shot of an Arizona team that deserves to be recognized for their place. Uh, the NCAA apologized, said it was not intentional, deleted it once they realized the error, and again fits. To need to be told that you have forgotten one of four teams is a problem.
Yeah, I mean, and for anybody that, that doesn't know, I mean, my God, we see this all the time at ESPN, right? Like, if a video was done to promote radio, for example, the number of bosses that have to sign off on it, look at it, say, yeah, that's right, maybe we need more of this or less of that. And it's a long process. There are so many people in these companies that sign off on media promo packages of any sort. So the number of people that had to look at the video and, and sign off on it and say it was okay, like, I feel like we're going to get that scene in Elf where they come in and, right. why are the last two pages of the book missing? I don't know. You know, I mean, that's the number of signatures that there must be on this that are bad is just alarming to me. Well, and I love, too, that normally when somebody's left out, we're like, oh, Russell Wilson wasn't in the video for the Seahawks, or their letter didn't mention Cam Newton or whatever. It's like, in this case, I guess Arizona doesn't get to play. The NCAA forgot they were in it. It's Spain and Fitz. Uh, don't forget, uh, tonight you will get to see Paige Beckers, and she's been in the, in the zone all season long for Connecticut. Wednesday, she was recognized as the AP Player of the Year. Tonight, she'll have a chance to help the Huskies earn a berth in the national championship game. Get in the zone, brought to you by AutoZone. Get in the zone, AutoZone. Coming up, we'll talk about that big, unexpected decision from MLB today. It's next. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Friday, everybody. Hope you're getting excited for the weekend. It's Spain and Fitz. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Bomani Jones going to join us. Jay Billis on the Goodyear Hotline. Lots of stuff to get to with the Final Four going on and the MLB story. But Fitz, I have a quick story I wanted to throw your way. This is a changeup. Uh, we did not discuss this in the pre-show because I would like your initial reaction without any prep whatsoever to the story I'm about to read to you. Uh, I hope you haven't seen it yet. I'm just going to start reading, and feel free to react in any way you find necessary, okay? Okay. MMA fighter Ketag Pliev had to have a finger surgically reattached after it was severed during the second round of a fight Thursday night in Philadelphia. Mm. The fight was stopped when the referee noticed Pliev was missing his left ring finger. Oh, God. For several minutes, those in the venue were searching for the stray digit. Event promoter Rob Haydeck said officials looked all around the cage and there was even an announcement over the PA system asking people to look for it inside the arena. Haydeck said it was ultimately discovered that the finger had come off and was lodged inside Pliev's glove all along. Pliev told ESPN he was taken to the emergency room and that the finger was reattached. He said the doctor told him he tore 50% of the tendon on the finger and that he'll potentially need another procedure. Uh, aside, I don't know how your finger cannot be attached and only have 50% of the tendon be torn. That's something the doctors would have to explain to me. Haydek said he entered the cage after the fight was stopped. Pliev told him that the finger was dislocated in the first round and somehow came completely off in the second. It was unclear on the broadcast how exactly that occurred. Pliev said Goodale kept holding his glove, which may have led to the finger detaching. He's going to appeal the fight result because of the illegal grabbing of his gloves. He wanted to continue fighting. And he actually stayed in the cage for the ring announcer to read the result. He didn't even flinch. He was getting ready to do the official decision. And I was like, uh, guys, let's get him out of the cage and go put his finger back on. So many questions. Uh, <laughs> why you would want to contest this fight at all over that? Like, hey, he grabbed me illegally. Like, who cares at this point? We're talking about your finger. Also, at what point does the PA announcer feel like, hey, nobody realizes we're looking for a finger, so we should probably tell the crowd to look under their chairs. Also, if somebody tells me to look under my chair for the missing finger, I'm going to get up and leave. Like, just to be very clear, I'm not going to help you find your finger. I'm going to leave like a child, probably sobbing because I'm afraid I might see the finger somewhere. So thank you so much for that imagery. That's going to keep me up to You're disgusting. welcome. And if you oh. want the actual imagery, it is available nope. because someone pass. shared it into my timeline last night. And I looked at just a, a finger hole, just at the bottom knuckle. So 
And Ooh. then you can also find a, fo- a photo of it sewn back on if that interests you in any way. It does not. Um, it does not. Those people are different from us, Fitz. People <laughs> that fight. Now I, I finally found out why I'm not an MMA fighter. Yeah. I was really thinking <laughs> of going down that path. Now I know. If I ever find that my finger has been removed, I would stop doing what I'm doing. Also, still unsure of how an entire finger gets sliced off with no swords or otherwise involved. That's just me. It's Spain and Fitz. It's a Friday, as you can tell, on ESPN Radio. Let's get to this MLB conversation. This was a surprising move. In fact, Jeff Passan was on last night for two segments, getting ready for everything, baseball and opening day, and said he sort of doubted that MLB would make a drastic decision about the All-Star game in the draft in Atlanta because of later latest voter suppression laws because they're traditionally conservative, uh, because they haven't followed the route of, of leagues like the NBA in the past. But Michael Wilbaum was on PTA and talked about uh, the decision. First of all, my reaction is not just good, great. Uh, the shut up and dribble crowd, a significant portion, uh, many in the state of Georgia have decided that people who look like me, black and brown people, shouldn't vote. And if it's OK, if you're going to vote, we're going to make it as difficult as we can for you to vote. And so this has been a struggle for a lot of people going on, Tony renewed struggle. We saw that in the last election season, if you will. But it was most often led by basketball and people associated with basketball who mobilized the effort to vote. So for Major League Baseball to come up with this, this is not basketball you know, initiated. For Major League Baseball to do this and for the commissioner to say, I decided, which that statement says, it's going to come as a sort of remarkable feat uh, for some people, and again, for the shut up and dribble crowd, I'm sure they'll be very angry that baseball got political, and we'll see that. But Tony, there's so many things to unpack here. You mentioned Henry Aaron. To me, this particular move honors Henry Aaron, and they can sort of bestow whatever uh, else they want to bestow on him from any ballpark in the world. But this does honor to the great Henry Aaron. I'm glad to see it, and now I'm waiting to see what the pushback will be. Sarah, I think Wilbon makes a ton of interesting points there. He says at the beginning how happy he is with this decision. I'm shocked, frankly, with the decision. And uh, I'm shocked in a good way. uh, But so often this is about businesses deciding what they want to stand for. And you have to understand when you do that as a business that there will be blowback from your customers no matter what that is. And so applying that to baseball to see a sport that constantly seems like it isn't wanting to take a stand to see a sport that has asked, we've asked many times how they can become more progressive. Well, doing these sorts of things, listening to what, you know, the younger fans are, are passionate about. I mean, I'm surprised to see all of this from Major League Baseball in a very, very good way. But it is stunning to me to think that that is the sport that took a stand today. Let me start by saying, and by the way, it's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz on ESPN Radio. Uh, I do wish that MLB and any other company and person with a whole lot of financial investment in the state had done more before, right? Mm, This law being passed, it's it's useful what they're doing now. It would have been even more useful before the law was passed. Um, But Rob Manfred has not been a popular figure. I don't know that this will be popular for everyone. In fact, I'm certain it will not be popular for everyone. But I do think to your point, he is much more taking into account the values that their sport has claimed to be Uh, representing. And and this might all in some way be tied back to what we saw last summer. There have been a lot of people putting pressure on leagues to not just be spouting about social issues and equality 
when they think it serves them and then backing away when action is required. And in this case, they kept that same energy. They followed up what they claimed in terms of listening to their players and to your point, in terms of respecting and understanding the feelings of younger fans instead of what tends to skew more conservative uh, as as older fans would be. Um, And it makes a massive statement to those who are saying that there are individual businesses and folks that are going to be harmed by this and lose money and opportunity. That is true. And that is deeply unfortunate. But the big picture statement you're making here is far more important and it prevents and hopefully affects future voting for the people who represent you, the decisions they make that represent your city and state and makes those things matter more so that you don't have to pull stunts like this in the future because you're not fighting uh, the kind of law that 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 was just put into place, not because of voter fraud, but because of voter turnout. This was a response to turnout in the state. And because they didn't get things the way they wanted, Kemp and the rest of his ilk decided to enforce this. And the reaction is is required at this point. I think we have to remember Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. Action has consequence. And you mentioned the businesses that will be impacted by this. But uh, as much as Major League Baseball and other businesses could have done more before, if they don't do anything afterwards, then there's no consequence for the action that's been taken by the state. For Major League Baseball to come in and, and take action says, hey, we won't allow this to go on. And we've seen in the past, and I think we'll see in the future, leagues using their power to come out and make a stand for what they think is important. And by doing that for themselves and for their players, what they tell everybody involved in this process is you have to think before you act at a legislative level. And that's a really powerful thing for businesses in general to be doing. I don't care if it's Major League Baseball or if it's Coke. Business in general has to tell communities that they're going to stand for something if that's going to be part of their mission statement. If Major Mm -hmm. League Baseball is going to open that door, then they have no choice but to act if they want to actually have anybody take them seriously. Worth noting, Manfred did say the MLB's planned investments to support local communities in Atlanta as part of the legacy projects will move forward. They will still honor and celebrate legendary Braves player Hank Aaron. And to Tony's point and and Mike's point on PTI today, you are honoring him much more by taking a stand against restrictive laws that inordinately affect black people than by you know, trying to keep the Braves the center of the festivities. Bamani Jones, host of The Right Time with Bamani Jones, joins us next. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app and Sirius XM channel lady, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. All of our guests join us on the Goodyear Hotline, and we're going to get straight to some straight talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. To do that, we're joined by Bamani Jones, host of The Right Time with Bamani Jones Podcast. Uh, Bamani, thanks for the time, man. We appreciate it. We were just talking a little bit about Major League Baseball and their decision uh, to move the draft in the All-Star Game out of the state of Georgia. So it's it's a decision that surprised me. What was your reaction to it? Oh, no, they had no other choice, especially after they had decided that this was going to be the year that they were going to honor Hank Aaron. Like, mm-hmm. they weren't going to be able to do that under that cloud of this bill. The other thing that's worth noting is big business has come out and said that they are not on board with this. Microsoft, Coca-Cola has done the same. Uh, Delta, not quite as fervently, but they have made it clear that this bill is not something that they think is appropriate. And so for baseball, especially in a city, like I think we're going to be doing better with this virus anyway, but, you know, it, it's like it ain't no pandemic down there. 
when the Braves put out that stupid statement and they said something about they were hoping to have like discussion around the All-Star game, oh, it was going to be some discussions outside that stadium, but they ain't one of the ones that were going to happen. You know, Bomani, there's precedent for this, obviously, but usually not in baseball. We saw the NFL move a Super Bowl because Arizona wouldn't uh, honor MLK Day as a paid holiday. We saw the NBA move the 2017 All-Star Game because of the LGBTQ plus discriminatory bills uh, and laws. But baseball, you said they had no choice, but put it into context, a sport that's been traditionally conservative and seemed to be led by white uh, opinions and, 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 and politics up until now making this decision. Yeah, but keep in mind that one of the counterfactual examples, one of the examples that you positioned is the NFL, which is as conservative, yeah. I think I would argue, as Major League Baseball is. There's an but more predominantly black players, right? So there's a little bit more of a push there. Yeah, there is. And I think the thing that really made it a problem with Arizona and what people forget about that is they voted down that thing twice. Mm. Like, they knew what the consequences were going to be, and then they still went and did it, which makes me wonder if the NFL just got mad at that point. But there's an irony as baseball, of course, being, you know, Jackie Robinson is the most significant, like, social thing to happen in professional sports in this country, and that is baseball. It was baseball in the military. They were at the vanguard of integration at that point. And so I am not surprised because this is about money. I don't think that this is about anything strictly principled. Now, good on them for going ahead and doing it as they did. But again, the real money has said that they're not with this. And what's going to be interesting, like kind of tangentially related to this for the state of Georgia is they started shooting a lot of movies and TV shows out there. And if baseball is saying that they're bailing, Hollywood has a different set of politics. Mm-hmm. We're talking to Bamani Jones. So the right time with Bamani Jones podcast on Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. So where's the line between crediting Major League Baseball for saying something now or the flip side, looking at the fact that Major League Baseball was completely silent through the process leading up to this? Yeah, that was probably a frightened move that they made and one that proved ultimately not to be wise, but also I think a move that probably wouldn't have changed anything, which is probably the calculus that they made in deciding that they weren't going to say anything about this in advance of it happening. Um, This is what makes it tricky, I guess, for them also is this is local politics, right? And our national concerns do not necessarily guide what happens in local politics, but this wound up being too big. And I think that this is as much as anything, a result of the internet. I don't know if there were not like internet type discourse that spreads this information across the country. If this would have happened in the way that it did, like if this were 25 years ago, I can see how Martin Luther King holiday would do it because that seems so obviously gauche and impolite. I'm not sure how this would have gone if the discourse that we have about things is not as connected as it is now. Bamani Jones with us here on Spain and Fitz. The Braves released a statement including saying this wasn't their decision or recommendation and including the Braves organization will continue to stress the importance of equal voting opportunities. And we had hoped our city could use this event as a platform to enhance the discussion. Our city has always been known as a uniter in divided times. Uh, That alongside their logo and uh, presumably they were doing the tomahawk chop as they were writing it. Any thoughts on the Braves' statement? Now, one thing I will say is I agree with the criticism. Of, I mean, and one thing I want to say, I don't know if people who don't know this is, this is the team that I grew up with. This is the first thing I ever loved in my life. Like, this thing has mm-hmm. me seething and infuriated and, to a degree, heartbroken in the way that it goes. But this is not about broad 
racial intolerance, right, or broad racial insensitivity. What it is with that tomahawk chop is completely separate from what this is. This is about black people. What happened with this election, all of this, this is about black people. This is about a state that is 30 percent black. And if you consider the fact that 90 percent of black people vote Democrat, think about what it takes hook and crook to keep a state like that red all the time. And I remember when this when this state went blue and people were like, this is this great victory. And it certainly got a lot of well-deserved credit for Stacey Abrams. I was like, yeah, now get ready for them to change the rules. And that's exactly what they did is they went in there and they changed the rules. And so the people in that state have a 200 plus year track record of primarily being concerned with keeping white people in power and segregation. The history of this city is such that as soon as black people moved into white neighborhoods, the white people moved all the way away. The traffic is so bad there because they moved all the way away and they wouldn't allow public transportation to come out there because black people would come out there. When they mm. built this stadium in Cobb County, one of the things the Cobb County officials made sure that people understood was public transportation would still not ride out there because people were afraid that the black people were going to come. And so I mention all of that because what they're doing and who they're speaking to is what they believe is the white majority of Georgia. Now, if you go look at the voting statistics, that would actually be accurate. They are speaking, though, more specifically to whom they believe their fans are that when they move that stadium out to Cobb County, it's not terribly far outside of the city, but keep in mind, they moved that stadium out there and did not put it on a ballot. And the guy who was in charge in Cobb County who approved the $400 million for the stadium wound up getting, wound up getting voted out right after they are telling a certain segment of fans that, Hey, we would never say to move a game like this just because somebody's out here upset because we're not treating the black people correctly. And that's where we get here. So that's why, for me, it's important. I know people are always going to talk about that statement as the tomahawk on there. This isn't broad. This is very particular and very pointed to a very particular set of people. So, Bamani, you know, what's the what's the reaction to all of this? And what, what does this actually cause in any impetus to change? That is a very good question, because the art, the logic behind boycotts and this kind of like corporate warfare in order to get things to change is the idea that Money coming in, if it is stopped, then that is what will make people change their behavior. And broadly, that is true. But I don't know how that's going to go about this, because I think they would rather their state lose money than have black people have that significant of voice in the way that the state is run. Like These are two pretty significant forces that are running against each other. And I am not positive that these moves by these businesses are going to really take effect right away. Another thing that's going to make this interesting is that part of the reason why in Atlanta, black people have so much political power is that the black political class in Atlanta has always had a very strong relationship with the business class. The businesses that run the city have always been treated well by that black political class. Messing with the money is not necessarily going to get powerful black people on their, your side because the big reason why they are able to maintain their power is because they do a lot of the bidding of the money. Now, this national money, like this Microsoft money and all that stuff, this Coca-Cola money and all this, if they really flex, then some things are probably going to change, but they couldn't flex hard enough in advance of it to make it change. So I'm not sure what's going to happen on the back end. 
Bomani Jones is with us here on Spain and Fitz. We're running out of time, but I really want to ask you this at the end because I'm curious your response. There was a statement from uh, Governor Kemp and House Speaker David Ralston uh, on the game being moved. They do not once mention Manfred, but they do, of course, mention Stacey Abrams. Stacey Abrams' leftist lies have stolen the All-Star game from Georgia. Do you find it interesting how this is specifically moved away from the white man in power of baseball and instead directed towards the, the dangerous politician looking to steal their spots? Yeah, because the people that Brian Kemp is talking to don't even know who Rob Manfred is, <laughs> right? Like, like, like they can get in there and start talking about how terrible a person Rob Manfred is, and they're going to have to Google if they're trying to figure out. They know who Stacey Abrams is. And what's ironic about this is Stacey Abrams is advocating against the boycott, right? Like, this is, that's what I'm saying. Like, this whole thing, it's not really about principle as much as it is a distaste for black people. And one thing I always say, because I think it's going to be really easy for a lot of people to like look at this and be like, oh, the backward southerners. Every state in America would be like Mississippi if it had as many black people as Mississippi had in it. And what you're seeing in Georgia is what happens when you have a population of black people that is big enough to actually sway some things. The way that people push back on it, it's more explicit because it has to be because trying to be slick doesn't work. Hmm. You guys can check out the right stuff, though. You can check out The Right Time with Bamani Jones podcast. Bo, we really appreciate you joining us, man. Thanks so much for the insight and the education on all this. No problem, man. You guys be good. That's some straight talk. Straight talk, wireless, no contracts, no compromise, uh, and really smart stuff from Bamani. We'll, we'll keep, uh, obviously, talking about this throughout the course of the night, but it's a Friday, and we have some pandemic madness bracket updates to get you. We will do it next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. When I said it, I knew that was going to come back to haunt me uh, because there are bears in Connecticut. So are you slapping the butt if you're trying to find out what's happening in front? But I didn't want to, you know. No, no, no. I'm slapping the butt like, what's up, bro? Like that's how I'm thinking. And then they flip around and then you're like, oh, (laughs) see what you're working with. (laughs) Spain and Fitz on ESPN (laughs) Radio, the ESPN app series, XM channel, Lady Sarah Spain and the bear butt slapping Jason Fitz. Uh, ESPN <laughs> Radio presented by Progressive Insurance. You can say big when you bundle your auto, home, motorcycle, RV, or boat insurance. Visit Progressive.com. Yeah, there are bears in Connecticut, sir, so I can't promise no, you No, I'm so anything. jellyfish. Well, well, you guys are always posting photos of them in your yard. I want to see one. No, I got a fence up now, so if a bear gets in the yard, that means that I lost part of the fence, and I'm too cheap to want to <laughs> replace it, so I need the bears to stay away. That's All that's. Right. That's what I'm going after. All right. It is, uh, we've been getting you caught up on everything you need to know about our bracket. Better than the March Madness practice. Ooh, try that again. Better than the March Madness bracket is our pandemic brat. Never mind. Just play the sound. <laughs> Spain and Fitz present Pandemic Madness. F you, 2020. Exactly, 2020. <laughs> Sarah, we've got controversy, and I don't know how to handle it. We I, have got a first in the pandemic madness bracket, and you you is the commish. I mean, that is your nickname, it so is. it feels like this is going to be up to you to really decide. Wow. Okay, so here's my idea. Uh, let's just announce the results we can, which is we were going with the Sweet 16 East region, and brawless, pantsless, going either of the two, beat out Zoom parties. Not too big of a surprise there, even though a lower seed people preferred to let their stuff hang loose uh, over Zoom parties. Uh, although you could do both, for sure. Video games. A three-seed took out the two-seeded Ted Lasso. Surprising because of the fervor of Lasso fans, but to your point, certainly fewer people have seen Ted Lasso than perhaps engaged in video games, and only one season of Ted Lasso to get you through a whole year. So video games takes the win, which sets up 
uh, a matchup between going brawless and pantsless and video games. And, and that feels very redundant. It feels like those people are one. So I don't know where we're going to get there. I feel seen. But then we ahead, move yes. on. The Last Dance, thank the Lord, dusted Tiger King. And I have a renewed sense of faith in everyone who f- listens to this show and follows me. I appreciate that. If you had let that guy take out MJ, I would have been really unhappy. So uh, good on you for that. But that gets us to the controversy. The final matchup, number six, online shopping versus number two, long walks. Now, without any discussion whatsoever, Fitz, my solution is that we as the hosts of this show decide together by at the exact same time yelling which one we think should advance. Now, the problem, of course, is if we disagree, then we will put it back on a poll and that will be the deciding vote. But let's see if we both yell the same one at the same time. Three. Wait, 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 wait. What are my seeds here? Give me the seeds. Number on six, online shopping versus number two, long walk. That's what I thought. Okay, go ahead. Hey, three, two, one. Online shock shopping. That's yes, all about the shopping. All right. We will. I'm putting it back on the poll then. We will have three votes in the final four. We'll have Shits Creek versus alcohol. We'll have sweatpants versus cooking. We'll have going braless and pantsless versus video games. And then first we have to relitigate the other vote before we could set up the last a matchup between the last dance and either online shopping or long walks. Really now, just added another element here. You know that I'm, uh, everybody knows at this point that I'm cheap. And I'm the first to admit that I, I don't really like to spend money. When I do, it's usually like, I don't nickel dime. Like I, I do a ton of research. I wait mm. a long time and then I spend. And that has always been my way. And I have never really been an online shopper. Like that is one thing that has changed massively for me in 2020 is that, you know, obviously because I couldn't necessarily buy things the same way. I had to sort of force myself to just get used to going on Amazon and buying something. And through that process, I figured out how easy it is to return things when they're not what you want them to be that way also. So now I find the number of times I'm like, well, I need this, so I'll just go out and buy it real quick. Like That has changed drastically in my life in the last 12 months, and my bank account doesn't thank me for it. Does it make you feel any worse about that when I tell you that you are causing packaging, labor, the gas of driving and shipping – does it make you feel bad yeah, to have people a constant employed. stream? I'm keeping people of, employed. Okay, yeah, for sure. That's part of it. Also Box part makers, of it. You know, uh, <laughs> gas, gas people. Gas makers? <laughs> I, I almost yeah. said gas makers and realized that <laughs> that would be the most just absolutely out of touch statement I've ever made. So Yeah, yeah you're a gas maker yourself, I've heard. Yeah, that, that, the there's no doubt about wife. that. There is no doubt um, about that. I... I'm torn on this one because I like online shopping. I have always been an online shopper. I am someone who is busy, and oftentimes it's easier to go the route of online shopping. And I certainly did the sort of pre-order the groceries early on in the pandemic and pick them up by sitting in the in the in the in the parking lot. I certainly have not done a lot of browsing through stores, so it's been important. But I also haven't needed to buy that much, right? Like when I think of online shopping, I mostly think of like clothes because oh, you know. Yeah. I I buy other stuff online, but like, you know, I didn't really need new clothes. Like I've said before, I wore the same like five pairs of sweatpants for the last year. So I feel like long walks took on an added meaning in my life in a way that shopping always had a lot of meaning for me. So, I think for me, because like, you know, everybody, I, I, I got the Funkos, like I got toys. I've always yes. got something random like yes. that. The number of times I'll have, you know, one or two Flintstone vitamins at the end of the night and then <laughs> suddenly the, the Flintstones kick in and I, I wake up the next day and realize that I just bought, 
you know, the entire Thundercat series. Like, that's what's happening oh, to boy. me now. And it didn't used to happen to me now. Right, so, that, that checks out. That yeah, checks I mean, out. It's um, fairly Spain unfair. and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio. In a moment, you can go to at Sarah Spain, at Spain and Fitz, at Jason Fitz. You can vote on the pandemic madness. We'll give you one hour to vote on online shopping Wait. versus long walks. Whichever one advances, I will add that to the final four. You can vote on the rest of the final four uh, throughout the weekend, I guess, until Monday. I mean... Did, did, we could have let the rest of the show staff decide on the tiebreaker. Too. No, no, that that's fine. That's fine. It seemed complicated uh, with and the mics right. and the people at home, and the, you know, we'll figure it out. Um, by the way, speaking of uh, brackets that are on fire, uh, mine might be depending on how this game finishes. Right now, Stanford is up on South Carolina, fifty-eight, fifty-four, with five minutes to play in the fourth quarter. This has been an, a spectacular game. I'm certainly not watching while hosting at all, but if I were, I would tell you that it's been very hard fought and very close, and it's coming down to the wire, the two number one seeds. So, uh, you know, listen to our show and then put it on the TV on mute. Yeah, you know, here's the thing. I felt like for a minute, you know, when we talked about the game earlier, I I kept saying South Carolina is going to have to make some of these shots to relax the defense. And then that happened, and they went on a little run, and I felt like the smartest guy in the room. And now they're not making those shots anymore. So I no longer feel like the smartest person in the room. Like that's, that's, I mean, I am in a room by myself right now, which should also be part of that conversation. Is there a dog in there? Uh, No, no, no. Even she's given up on me. She's just totally out. Uh, Do you know where we are on our, our, do I have a shot? of beating you in in our bracket well this uh, is a big thing did you pick south carolina to win it no i've got uconn winning it and we are currently tied Ooh. oh we are tied neither of us are anywhere near the lead in this thing <laughs> but we have the same number of points and the same number of max points on the women's wow. bracket wow oh, this uh, I, i'll have to look at it because i picked you i picked stanford in one and south carolina in another you've got south carolina in this one oh now i don't know what to oh. root for because i definitely want to beat you but i also want to win my other bracket too yeah well you know what south carolina it was fun while it lasted i'd rather be a bad analyst and beat sarah in the uh, wow. in the bracket Come, <laughs> coming up we'll get you set for the final four more on major league baseball's big decision we'll do it all next spain and fits on espn radio and as always hanging out with you on the espn app you're listening to the spain and fits podcast happy friday it's Spain and Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Fitz, why don't you tell them what we're getting back to here? <laughs> I'm just going to let you do I it. I got distracted by the game, and I forgot you were going to take this one. <laughs> so look, a little, the peek behind the curtain here. We're always really transparent about Spain and Fitz. There's Spain, Jason Fitz, presented by Progressive Insurance, where all of our guests join us on the Goodyear Hotline. We, we decide before the show kind of who's passionate about different things and who's going to lead us into different segments. We like to get all that worked out, and this was supposed to be mine, and I was literally looking at my TV at the, as Stanford, South Carolina uh, is going on right now. It's 60 to 59 on my TV because I'm probably a little behind. About two minutes to go in this game. And the whole time I looked over the dock the that we keep this tracked on. And I thought, okay, I'm going to bring us in. I just want to see what the score is here. And then Sarah got in front of me. We're both a little distracted right now as the final four on the women's side is giving us what the tournament has given us more yeah. and more of, which is just incredible finishes throughout this game. Stanford up uh, late in this one in the final four, Sarah. And, uh, you know, I know we've got a lot we're going to get to. We'll get back into the Major League Baseball uh, decision in a second. But uh, right now it's 64 uh, 64-59 is the score in this one. And uh, I would recommend to anybody, as Sarah said earlier, turn it on, put it on mute uh, if you want so you can keep listening to us. But this is a heck of a game that's finishing up, Sarah. Yeah, it's fantastic. Uh, Stanford trying to put on that hard push at the end. They're so long. They're so big. Uh, they're so well coached. But oof, this is coming down to the wire. 
but yeah, let's get back. Into, I wanted to quickly, we talked uh, with Bomani, and if you missed it, definitely check out the podcast tonight and, and listen to what Bomani had to say about the MLB moving the All-Star game and the draft out of Atlanta, out of Georgia, uh, because of voter restriction laws. Um, but a lot of people have had some smart things to say about it. I, I think, um, you know, we heard on PTI the very smart assessment that they need to start thinking more like the young people that they're courting as viewers. And Jeff Passan, who was on Shanann Golick Jr., also talked about how this is a pretty big step for a league that we might not have expected it from. The right thing in this case uh, also happens to align with some issues that they would have had had they not done it. Envision a scenario in which Mookie Betts says, I'm not going to the All-Star game because Major League Baseball does not support voting and especially in this case, does not support the people who it affects most, which are disproportionately people of color. Imagine the narrative that baseball does not support black players. I don't think Major League Baseball wanted that. I think in the end, it recognized that not only would this be the right thing to do to follow uh, the NBA with the All-Star Game in Charlotte, to follow the NFL with the Super Bowl in Arizona, Uh, I think it was also the prudent thing to do in terms of making sure that your sport as you go forward is not seen as this anachronistic game that is stuck back in the 1940s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s. I think it's a really strong point, Sarah. And it's also representative of the league listening to their players instead of just thinking about their current consumers. Uh, that's the part that just continually hits me with this decision because I guess why it, it, it didn't surprise Bamani, but why it does surprise me is because of at least the perception and what the studies have shown of you know the, the normal baseball fan and where they, where they lie on several issues. Like this isn't uh, the NBA. It, it's easier for the NBA to be progressive. I've said this often because I don't know that they have as much business risk in being progressive with the audience that consumes their product. There is some risk for Major League Baseball, but they choose to take that risk in order to listen to the players that play the game. I mean, I think that's a much more symbiotic relationship than we've seen between owners and players in the past for Major League Baseball, and it's worth praising. I agree with that, and I also think, to Bomani's point, um, there are a number of landmines that if they projected out, they could see coming, and that is massive businesses talking about, and too late, to my point earlier, they should have said it before the law was passed, but massive businesses coming out and saying, we're threatening to take our business out of this state. Massive Hollywood and film production saying, you know, their own threats. The the fact that they were getting ready to honor Hank Aaron, someone who, when we talked about his death, we talked about the stoicism that he had to represent, but the honesty that, that he had in talking about what it was like to be him in the sport of baseball, what mattered to him, the, the, the causes that he cared about and the social issues that he talked about, all of those things presenting this confluence that would have been beyond awkward, it would have made the MLB look stupid if they had carried on doing all of this in a place that had so actively sought to disenfranchise its black people. The one thing I'm not sure of is... You know, that we can necessarily say the chapters over on players having a voice in this either. Like, there are going to be players that will have mm-hmm. opportunities to speak and they'll be asked about it. And realistically, now that this has happened, you got to think. I mean, the Mookie Betts example was a really great one by Jeff Passan, but the first time that anybody with the platform that Mookie has is in Atlanta playing. They're going to be asked questions about it. This conversation is not going to go anywhere. And and now that this has been opened, I wonder what it means for the future of those types of conversations coming out of Major League Baseball. Mm-hmm.
Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Sarah Spade, Jason Fitz. Also, we've been talking so much about the women's game that's going on tonight, but we should mention that there's a Final Four matchup uh, over the course of the weekend on the men's side. We won't be on air uh, to talk about it then. But, uh, you know, Sarah, I keep looking at what we have here, which is, you know, two massive powers that we thought we were going to get most of us, I think, in our brackets. Most of America thought there was a pretty good shot that we'd end up with Gonzaga versus Baylor. Now they both have to win one more game to get there, but it feels more and more as we get closer to it, like the chance that we get anything other than Gonzaga versus Baylor just feels it feels like a long shot. I mean, the thought of, of UCLA or Houston pulling off an upset to me seems like it's going to be really difficult to do. I agree with you. Uh, we have seen the t- sort of top two teams all season long, and Gonzaga really even setting itself apart from Baylor. Um, they're they're looking to make history. Uh, they're they're looking to get their sixth straight thirty. I'm sorry, it is their fifth straight thirty win season. They're looking to get their twenty eighth straight win by 10 points or more, and, of course, trying to be the, the the latest undefeated team that has happened so few times across the NCAA, especially with the expanded field. Um, it feels like it's a collision course, Gonzaga and that undefeated title. But, Fitz, you know I keep saying this. The longer I'm in this business, the more I hesitate when everyone's saying the same thing. It's like the Chiefs' Super Bowl. <laughs> you just think, am I missing something? Is something going to go differently? Because everyone I'm hearing is just giving Gonzaga the, the road to the to the title. Well, you're 1,000% right. And Stosh, producer extraordinaire that works on our show, is a Chiefs fan. I think I heard him yelling all the way over here yeah, I'm so sorry uh, when you use that analogy. But you're, it, it's a good one. I mean, UCLA has been doubted every single step of the way, and all they've managed to do is get themselves into this situation against a, a Zags team that can score on anybody – and then on the other side, you've got a Houston team that really plays incredible defense, but they're going to have to play incredible defense because Baylor's got three or four different guys that can get hot and score. So I think it's it's a little bit to me like our UConn conversation from earlier on the women's side, that you can't necessarily just stop Paige Beckers, and that means you've beaten UConn. They've got multiple scores that can get it done. Both Gonzaga and Baylor are so impressive to me because depending on the day, they got different people that can go off and get whatever they need to get on the offensive side of it. So I think that's why it's going to be a tough matchup. That being said, uh, this has really been a dream scenario in some ways in that we do get probably the two favorites, probably the two best teams throughout the course of the season if that's what we get. But we did it in such incredible, incredible ways. Uh, Right now, by the way, 32 seconds left in the game. Uh, Stanford just took a one-point lead in this women's Final Four matchup. They are up by one over South Carolina with 32 seconds to go in the game. We'll keep you updated on it. You can also remember the NBA is on ESPN Radio. Tune in Sunday. Kawhi and the Clippers host the Lakers presented by Indeed. Coverage begins at 3 p.m. Eastern on most ESPN Radio stations. Coming up, apologies, lifetime deals, and near-death experiences, all part of Quickies. We'll do it next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Telling you just heard everywhere with Sarah Spain and Jason Fitz reacting to what we just saw in the women's final four. It's Spain and Fitz, ESPN Radio. Unbelievable ending to Stanford, South Carolina. And South Carolina forces the turnover with only seconds left. They drive down. They have the winning shot. It looks like doesn't go in. The follow-up shot also doesn't go in. Rims out. Stanford is headed to the national championship game by way of a 66-65 win over South Carolina. Sarah what a stunning, heartbreaking way for South Carolina to lose. Incredible game between these two teams. Uh, I just have to say my heart is hurting, but I feel a little bit better watching 
Don Staley and Aaliyah Boston and the rest of the team look up and wave at the crowd. I know the crying's going to come back and they're going to feel it in the locker room, but that game was so good. That finish was so crazy. And for Aaliyah Boston to have a good look, but not an easy look, a good look, but not an easy shot. And for it to be so close, it just, you could see instantly how, what, what she was feeling. Man, you hate to see anyone go home in a game like that. And what a chaotic finish. A turnover, a near almost other turnover. She gets the pass off. It just, uh, it wasn't even Boston on the shot. I thought that, oh, it was on the follow. Oh, man. Yeah. I'm just Boston watching the actually, replay now. I mean, she, she was able to essentially she force had the, the turnover. She yeah. had the smart, the, the intelligence to get the ball out of her Put hands when up. she was being trapped oh. at midcourt. She did everything right and then that had hurts. the opportunity on the follow-up. I mean, These games are insane, Fitz. This whole, huh. I'm telling you, this is not my bias. The women's tournament has been so fire. Quality of play, the, the, the games, it's just been unreal. Yeah, I, look, I, I mean, there's you can't watch what we just saw and not have goosebumps for what it means to everybody in this process. Again, mm-hmm. Stanford headed to the national championship game where they will await the winner of the next game uh, that we'll be getting in just a few minutes, uh, obviously, which is Arizona versus U- UConn. We'll keep you updated on that uh, when that tips. But Stanford advances in dramatic fashion, which is as uh, heartbreaking as it is for South Carolina. It's a perfect way for it to happen in this tournament because there's been so much incredible basketball. ESPN Radio presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive's home quote explorer. Changing the way you buy home insurance. Now you can go online, get a custom quote, save full time and money. Learn more at Progressive.com. There's a bunch of stories that go, are going on right now. So we're going to get through them the way only Spain and Fitz can. It is time for some quickies. Quickies with Spain and Fitz. We get in and out of topics fast. Got a bunch we're going to get to here. <laughs> no, nothing subtle. I giggle like a child every time. Uh, let's start with a little bit of coaching news, and it's coaching from a friend of the show. Porter Moser is somebody that we've talked to a bunch, a coach at Loyola University of Chicago, somebody that I think, you know, I was starting to feel like maybe there was going to be endless Loyola Chicago swag coming to this show. Like, felt like got a good relationship. Well, Sarah... I can only hope that that continues in Oklahoma because according to multiple reports, Oklahoma will be hiring Porter to replace Long Kruger as the Sooners coach. I could tell you were reading that report just then because you couldn't spit it out. Listen, uh, 188 and 141 in his 10 seasons with the Ramblers, three conference championships, a Final Four, brought relevance to a program, and I wanted to see him stick around. I knew a contract could always go away. The idea that he was technically there through 25-26, I knew a job could come along, and it did. And I'm happy for him. He's earned it. This is how it works in college hoops, but there was a part of me that really wanted him to stick around. And, you know, OU went to a Final Four in 2016, made seven tournament appearances in eight seasons. Uh, Kruger had a 195-128 record, so big shoes to fill. I'm happy for him, but I'm bummed. Yeah, he goes to uh, an incredible basketball conference right now where there's a lot of expectation to come in and win-win right away. So let's see how he, he maximizes the next step, and let's see what it means for our Oklahoma swag. I mean, that, that's really what it comes down to. <laughs> uh, speaking of Big 12 basketball, uh, Kansas has decided uh, to sign a lifetime contract with Coach Bill Self. So basically what this is is it's a new five-year rolling agreement that automatically adds one year at the conclusion of every season for the remainder of his career. This is their way of saying, Coach, you are going to be with us forever. And there's a lot of conversations there about what Bill Self has meant to Kansas basketball, but let's also acknowledge that 
itself was linked with some NBA jobs the last couple of years after an FBI investigation into college basketball included alleged payments from Adidas to a pair of former Kansas players, like the little thing that we no longer talk about. So even without resolution to that, they've signed a new contract with their coach. Yeah, great point. Still going. Still going. Still dealing with NCAA infractions and the case in that. A federal investigation into the corruption of their program is ongoing when they decided to announce he cannot be fired due to any current infractions matter that involves conduct that occurred on or prior to the date of the full execution of this agreement. That is actual wording in the contract. Let me tell you this, Fitz. I don't care if there wasn't a federal investigation into him. Lifetime contracts are unnecessary. The only lifetime deal between a person and a brand that I think makes sense is Michael Jordan and the Jordan brand. And even then, you might be able to convince me they can go on without him. This makes zero sense to me. You are setting yourself up for an ugly, horrific divorce in case something happens, which it probably will because this is college basketball on the men's side we're talking about, which is fraught with scandal. It's also unnecessary to offer up anybody a lifetime deal. That's that's just... Yeah, well, and let's remember the NCAA again. They have actually charged Kansas with five level one violations, including charging the school with a lack of institutional control, which is like the worst of the worst, Mm -hmm. and Bill Self with head coach responsibility violations. Yet, uh, he's still going to keep getting paid for the rest of his career. It's good work if you can get it. It's Quickies on Spain and Fitz, ESPN Radio, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. We're getting you caught up on some of the big stories that uh, we don't have enough time to get into all of, but we want to make sure that you're caught up on. And one would involve Kevin Durant. Now, Kevin Durant, many of us saw on social media the comments he made uh, in DMs to a particular actor, and that actor then turned around and and publicized those comments to show the world what was said. And uh, Kevin Durant has been fine, but he's also issued... An apology. I want you to hear Kevin Durant's apology specifically. So here it is. I'm sorry that people seen uh, the language I use. That's not really what I want people to see and hear from me. Hopefully I can move past it and get back out on the floor. Fitz. Yeah. Fitz. I'm sorry people saw that I got caught using language. Not I'm sorry for the language. Not I shouldn't use it. Not at least... That language carries with it homophobic connotations that I absolutely didn't mean. There's nothing about me that is homophobic, but I need to understand that just because historically we've used those insults back and forth without acknowledging that they stem from homophobia, I should still be aware of that and not use them going forward. No, just I'm sorry I got caught. Oh, he's so frustrating. I want so badly to root for him. I want so badly to empathize with him because I think he is the saddest superstar we've ever had in our lifetimes. Not most criminal or any of the other terrible things we've seen superstars do, but someone who inherently should have more peace in their life. And he never does. And this doesn't help. Yeah. The quote again, I'm sorry that people seen the language I used. He's not sorry for the language he used. Mm. He's sorry people saw it. That's disgusting. Because at some point, what you've said has consequence. I say this all the time. And any apology, and anybody that's ever been in a relationship knows if you you tick off your significant other and you say, well, I'm sorry you saw that, or I'm sorry you feel that way, that is not an apology. Like, that's just a life lesson 101. All Kevin Durant had to do is come out and say, man, I let emotions get the best of me yet again, and I'm sorry. 
And I would have a much easier time than an apology that says, I'm sorry that people saw the language I used. That's not really what I want people to see and hear from me. He didn't even say that's not who he wants to be. He just doesn't want people to see that side of him. Well, if you don't want people to see that side of you, don't be a grotesque individual. And when you speak like that, I don't care if it's in DMs, you are a grotesque human being. And that's the way Kevin Durant looks when he speaks that way. His apology doubles down on it. I have absolutely no sympathy for that. Uh, yeah. Sorry, I got a little worked up. I completely agree. We had Izzy Gutierrez on last night, and he said the same thing. He said, even if the impact is not what you intended, at some point you have to take responsibility for the impact that you caused. And in the case of Kevin Durant, even if you don't intend for those words to be misogynist or homophobic, they are rooted in that, and that is a choice you make when you use them. And also, why are you arguing with Michael Rappaport and DMs about dumb stuff? Yeah. Go, go be rich and famous. I'm with you. I, I want him to be happy. I really do. But it makes it hard for root for him when things like that happen. I also want to quickly get you updated. The Houston Police Department has launched an investigation concerning Deshaun Watson after a complainant has filed a report against the Texans quarterback on Friday. So all we know at this point is that a, a complaint has been officially filed with the Houston Police Deport, with, Department, which triggers an investigation. We will figure out what that means moving forward and keep you updated. Coming up, so much college news to get into. We'll do it with one of our favorite guests next, Spain and Fitz, hanging out with you on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. We're going to be popping bottles in the club because that's what winners do. Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, not quite popping bottles, but we got 30 minutes till the show's over and I can't make any promises after that. It's a Friday on ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Don't forget to subscribe to the Spain and Fitz podcast where you can catch other guests on the show that you missed. And, of course, you're here now to hear our favorite joining us on the Goodyear Hotline. Even though he did blow me off last night to do SportsCenter, Jay Billis makes up for it by joining us tonight. Jay, thanks for the time. Sarah Espana, how you doing? Pretty all right. I'm still coming off that high from that first Women's Final Four game. That finish was just unbelievable. Believable. I think the women's tournament has been even better than the men's this year, but uh, what are your expectations for the Final Four? We got a couple blue bloods and a lot of high seeds, and then we got some upset material there with UCLA. Yeah, you're talking about the men's uh, side. Uh, That game, uh, the women's side first, that game was as good a game as I've seen all year long. (laughs) Men, men or women, that was fantastic. Haley Jones was great, mm-hmm. uh, but anyway, on the men's side, um, I, I don't give UCLA much of a chance to beat Gonzaga. But you know, it's not like we've been favoring the Bruins throughout the course of the tournament. They've answered <laughs> the bell every time. But Gonzaga is just so good, and uh, and they're like a Euro League team with the way they pass, cut. They're the best passing and cutting team I've I've seen in my time in, in college basketball. It's ridiculous how uh, how good they are and. Uh, they, you know, they score, they get so many layups and, and the quality of shot they get versus their opponent is the reason they, they are the biggest reason they win so much. It's kind of like if they were, if it was a, a golf match, uh, Gonzaga hits the ball to five, five feet and in every time. And their opponents are putting from 15 feet and in every time. And, and ultimately the, the one putting from five feet is going to win. Jay, that raises an interesting question to me then for UCLA. Like, what are you working on right now if you're UCLA to try and stop them from getting easy buckets? You're working on uh, sort of defense and being physical. And and one of the things, Jason, that, that UCLA does extraordinarily well through the course of the tournament is they haven't turned the ball over. So the, I think it was the six games before the tournament started, UCLA had turned it over in double digits in each game. 
in the last five since the tournament started, they've played one more game than, than everybody else in the Final Four because of that play-in game thing against Michigan State, uh, the first four, they call it. Um, so they've played five games. They haven't turned it, turned it over more than eight times in a game in the entire tournament. So they, they've been averaging seven turnovers a game. And so when you don't turn it over, um, you're, you're not only getting a shot, chance for an offensive rebound, chance to get fouled, but you're not giving your opponent a chance to play ahead of your defense. And, and so UCLA has been kind of staying in games with a chance to win. It's just doing that against Gonzaga. It's not just the turnover thing. It's, it's, they're so efficient offensively. There's no way that UCLA – UCLA beat uh, Michigan 51-49. They ain't beaten Gonzaga with, with 51 points. That ain't going to happen. Yeah. Jay Billis with us here on Spain and Fitz talking about the men's final four this weekend. If you're Mick Cronin, do you consider it all really drastically changing something, not necessarily gimmicky, but knowing that you probably don't have the talent and trying to go extreme to some specific strategy, or is that too much to ask of guys at this level of the tournament? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't think you can change necessarily who you are. Um, they, they can do a. I think what they, they're going to have to do some things on the offensive end. Uh, to make sure that they can get some matchups. And, you know, like with Johnny Juzang and, uh, and Jaime Jaquez Jr., I mean, they're, they're going to be focal points of, of Gonzaga's defense. And Gonzaga's way better defensively than people think. They're, they got a top 10 defense. They got the best offense in the country in their top 10 defense. Um, but, like, what, he, what I thought Mick did really well again, uh, of the many things against Michigan was he used Johnny Juzang, not only running off screens on the baseline and all that. But he used him as a screener, and when Juzang's screening, he can't really switch um, because you, you know you'd give him a favorable matchup. But I, I don't think that uh, Gonzaga is going to be quite as worried about that because they've got so many versatile defenders. The only one they can they might have a problem with if they switch with is Drew Timmy. Uh, but it's really just going to be about being physical and trying to shorten the game and make it a half court game more than anything, and keep Gonzaga out of transition because if they're if Gonzaga's got open court opportunities, um, I don't think UCLA can score enough to beat them. Uh, they're going to have to limit the scoring. If this is a game in the 80s, uh, uh, then Gonzaga wins going away. If it's in the 60s, then maybe 60s, low 70s, then maybe uh, UCLA's got a chance. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz talking to Jay Billis. I know we've got some other stuff to get to on some coaches, so I'll ask you one quick one about the other matchup. Jay, I mean, Houston obviously can play defense, but Baylor can score from anyone, from anywhere. So how do you see that playing out? Baylor does something that most teams don't do, and that is they've got a number of different guards and wings that can get their own shot, and especially at the end of a clock. So that's one of the things that they can combat the, the great defense of, uh, of Houston. Like Houston's got some outstanding individual defenders, especially Dejan Duro, who's the defensive player of the year in the American Athletic Conference. Uh, but you just can't put him on one guy and expect to stop Baylor because they've got multiple scoring threats that can that they can isolate and go one on one, almost like uh, like you would you would say an NBA team would do. Uh, so that's going to be a problem for for Houston. Uh, Houston's advantage is going to come on the glass if they can get uh, offensive rebounds and and easy second shots. Then I think they can win. Um, but it's and they're gonna and they're gonna have to hope that Jared Butler continues to you know shoot it less than you know, less than uh, he's capable of. Um, but I, I think Baylor's got a little bit too much. Yeah, I expect to see Gonzaga and Baylor in the final, but if there's going to be a, an upset to that, you know, sort of that final that everybody says they want to see, I think it's going to be Houston that does it. It's Spain and Fitz, Jay Billis. We've got four minutes and four coaches. 
So we'll go speed round here. Just your reaction to the news around these four coaches. Let's start with Porter Moser to OU. Not surprised. I mean, OU's a good job. I was a little surprised it opened up and that Long Kruger retired, but uh, but Porter has had a great run at uh, at Loyola, getting them to a Final Four in 2018 and then the Sweet 16 this year. Uh, so it's going to be hey the the Midwest Oklahoma Sooner, Sooner fans are going to like you know like the uh, stingy defense that he brings there. He's a he's an energetic guy, and I think it's a really good fit, a good hire. Jay, what are your thoughts on Bill Self signing a lifetime contract amidst the investigation that's been ongoing? I think it's more the, the, this was more about um, sending a signal to recruits. Uh, Kansas has been get, getting hurt by negative recruiting, and uh, and so this this gives them the opportunity to say, "Look, we're standing by Bill Self. He's not going anywhere. You don't have to listen to all this stuff." Kansas is going to be Kansas with Bill Self for for a long, long time. As long as he decides to coach, he's going to coach here. So I think that's the that's more of the signal. I think there are a lot of people saying it's sort of a middle finger to the NCAA type of deal. I don't think it's that as much as it is a signal in recruiting. Hmm. Chris Beard to Texas. What do you make of it? He's kind of going home. You know, he he went there. He's a Texas guy. Started his coaching career there as a as a GA, I think it was, uh, or a student assistant, something like that. And uh, Chris is a is a great coach, and he's he's so energetic, and uh, and he's not afraid uh, of of being expected to kind of win it all. Not that uh, the other coaches they've had have been, but uh, but I think he's the right guy at the right time for where Texas is right now, and uh, and I think the fans are gonna and the alumni are gonna jump behind him, and uh, and I think he'll he'll be able to take them to the next level. Such a swift kick in the no-no places to Texas Tech, though. Okay, and then Roy Williams, obviously, stepping away from North Carolina. Who do you see as the right fit to take that job at this point? Jason, I think it'll have to be somebody within the Carolina family. So the the, the first thing you think of is Hubert Davis, who played there for Dean Smith and that has been an assistant under Roy Williams for the last eight, nine years, something like that. And um, you know, the only the only thing that people would bring up with Hubert is he has not yet been a head coach, but he's played a million years in the NBA uh, there. You know, Roy Williams had never been a head coach when he took over at Kansas. So I'm not all hung up on this head coach thing. Uh, I think it's great. You know, I'd, I'd rather I'd rather have a, a, someone with head coaching experience than not. But when you've got somebody as good as Hubert. Uh, I wouldn't hesitate uh, uh, to make that hire. Uh, but also the, the, the other one that I think will be uh, right in the mix for that is Wes Miller, uh, the head coach of UNC Greensboro. He played for Roy Williams on the 05 National Championship team as a backup guard, and he's been an outstanding coach. He's a really young head coach at UNC Greensboro, and he's done really well there. It's been the last couple of tournaments that were, were held. And he had a really good team this year uh, with Isaiah Miller as his best player uh, making the NCAA. So he, he's he's uh, another really good option there. Awesome stuff, Jay. Really appreciate the time. And I know it's a busy time for you. So even though you blew me off last night, you are forgiven because you spent your Friday <laughs> hey, it was with a us. baseball game, Sarah. It was a, it was a damn <laughs> baseball game. It's a shot clock. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Listen, I'm with you. I was supposed <laughs> to have the night off until they canceled that game. And there I was hosting a show. Uh, have a great weekend, Jay. Appreciate it. Appreciate you, Jay. You too. Thank you. Jay Billis with us here on Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, brought to you by Goodyear, helping you discover the road ahead. Goodyear, more driven. It's a Friday, and you know what happens at the end of Friday. Sports Tinder, next. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Ah, yes. Friday nights where all of you are sitting at home, potentially making some bad decisions, swiping on Tinder, 
Everyone's getting vaxxed. Soon enough, you'll get to make bad decisions in person instead of just over Zoom. We like to join you on Fridays. Does that become like little... a first date question, sir? Like, hey, uh, for sure. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. And then you might have to ask for proof, too. I'm not just believing someone who's like, yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> Bring I'm your good. card. I'm good. Bring your card. <laughs> uh, it is. I saw some people canoodling on the street today, and I was like, life is coming back. It's been a long time since I've seen some street canoodling. I think it's just weird to see people making out these days. You know, there's a lot of distance, a lot of masks. You know, if I ever start another band, uh, street canoodling is going to be on the <laughs> list of possible canoodling. names. The it's street canoodlers, one. maybe it's like that. Maybe. Like that's that's that sounds like good. a barbershop quartet. We know you were already in one of those. <laughs> oh, that is man. real. Fitz was in a barbershop that quartet and a boy band fact. and a, yeah. Uh, it's time for sports Tinder. Sports Tinder. That's right. We ask a question about something. It could be sports related or not. And then we react to it by agreeing with a super like, swiping up, liking it, swiping right, disagreeing, swiping left, or hating it by swiping down. Let's start out with the news that I think matters to us all the most, and that is season two of Bridgerton is not going to have the Duke. Like, this is unbelievable news. Apparently, Reggie John Page isn't coming back. He was the hottest thing. He's hosted SNL. His star was growing. Many people are saying maybe he'll be the next James Bond, and they're saying that it was always part of the deal that they knew from the script that he was only going to be there for the first season, and next season is going to focus on somebody else's love life. Can you believe this, Fitz, and are you going to be okay is my question. Okay, so question for you. This was this was one of the guys in Bridgerton, right? You know what? Listen, let me handle this one. Okay. I'm going to swipe down. Swipe, swipe down. down. I hate it. No, I'm not going to be okay. It has been a long time since I have felt like those middle-aged ladies who read Fifty Shades of Grey and are like sad and home and pathetic and like lusting after some random ass person. This was the guy. This guy turned me into an official old lady, a middle-aged lady sitting at home. Let me catch my Bridgerton. A lot of sex scenes with this hot duke. Okay. Sad fits is what I'm saying. Uh, quick question. Follow-up question to this. Yeah. Will all of the pretty girls still be in the... the... Yeah, yeah. Okay, the then I'm going to swipe up. I'm totally fine. Right, swipe up. Fine. Super like. I'll be Listen, good. I'll be good. Less guys, more girls happy. Duke. You... Listen, I know you haven't <laughs> watched the show, and let me tell you what. If you did, you would be sad because you, no one, no one is immune to the duke. I'm just letting you know that. All right. There's a great story by Rob Domovsky on ESPN.com, an interview with Aaron Rodgers about his upcoming stint hosting Jeopardy. And you will not be surprised to hear that Rodgers was very dedicated to the craft. He was DVRing shows. He was taking notes of how Alex Trebek threw to break and answered when people were wrong and answered when they were right and all the different stuff about Jeopardy. He's ready to go. So the question is, does he have a real shot to replace Alex Trebek? I'm going to swipe down. Swipe down. Wow. I hate it. Remember, Sarah, I've told this story before, but the world needs to know it again. Uh, it was it was Lake Tahoe playing a celebrity sort of golf tournament event when I was touring with the band Perry. We came out for the first song of the show. It was a song called Done. I had to go to the edge of the stage and jump up and down while I played the toughest fiddle solo of my life. We did that every night. Went out. I did it. I look out. There's all these celebs there. I look out. Third row back, there's Aaron Rodgers. And at the time, single Aaron Rodgers had some pretty wooden ladies next to him. And he's, you know, smiling as the song starts. I will go out to the front. I jump up and down and I play the toughest fiddle solo of my life. Play it pretty well in that moment, too. I look out, unimpressed Aaron. That's what I got, oh, unimpressed Aaron. And you know what, Aaron? Still I'm equally unimpressed Aaron with you, buddy. Wow. All right? I can't wait to sit in Lambo someday and shrug when you leap, say, no, I you want really nothing to do with this, it. dude. Yeah, you don't know what happened right before your solo. Maybe somebody stepped brunch. on his foot, or maybe someone broke up with him, or maybe he found out something sad happened, like his cat died, and you're judging him for the way he you reacted to your solo. It's not always about you, Fitz, okay? Maybe, maybe I'll just admit what the rest of the world is thinking, that Wheel of Fortune is what we'd all be better at anyway, and we watch it because <laughs> we know the answers. 
Uh, maybe speak for yourself. I crush at Jeopardy, especially when I'm drunk. Uh, Aaron <laughs> Rodgers, the replacement. I'm going to have to swipe down. Swipe, swipe down. down. I and hate it. Why? Entirely logistically. He's not retiring yet, and they need a full-time replacement. They're not going to keep shuffling people through. They're going to make a decision soon. They're probably going to go with Ken Jennings. But I do think there's a possibility that if Ken does not succeed and people aren't fans, which if you look into some of his social media, I can understand why he wouldn't be a fan, then Aaron Rodgers, when he retires, might have a shot. If he wants it. I changed my answer. I changed my... I'm swiping up. I'm swiping Swipe up. Swipe up. Super like. I need Aaron Rodgers to host Jeopardy because I'm not going to watch it anyway, so then he can just wow. be out of my life. You know what? You're the worst. It's Spain and Fitz. <laughs> Sarah Spain and a very bitter Jason Fitz who still clearly has not gotten over Aaron Rodgers not fawning over his Unimpressed. fiddle solo, Unimpressed. which is a sentence I definitely never thought I would say about anyone, not to mention my sports radio co-host. <laughs> Moving on. Tobin Heath, friend of the show, U.S. Women's National Team badass player has released her own nft uh this is a part of her company uh re or reink and it's uh it's about this gamer collection that she wants to be a part of this new rise of nfts and said that you know it's not really happening for women athletes and in women's sports as much as the men's and if they're not going to facilitate it separately she's going to go ahead and get out in front of the curve the first female nft to be released through that company reink and it's pretty cool it looks kind of like like old bit you know, uh, 8-bit, is that what it's called? 8-bit? 16-bit? Whatever it is. Yeah, 8-bit. Um, yeah, it looks like an old 8-bit video game, and she's donating some of the proceeds to Black Girls Code. Very cool. Uh, are you buying any NFTs? Are you in on this? Uh, well, I'm inherently cheap, so I'm going to swipe left. <laughs> swipe left. And when it comes to actually buying NFTs, because it seems like a bit of a strange concept to me still that I'd be buying digital, you know, I guess, art right. as, as, as it is. Uh, but on her going out there and getting it done, I completely swipe up on that. Swipe up. Super like. I agree with you on the swipe up and super liking that she's doing it and that the NFT itself is really cool looking, but I'm going to swipe down. Swipe, swipe down. down. I hate it. Yeah, this is one of those things that I know I'm like the old person and eventually I'm going to have to come around on it. But right now I, I have zero interest in investing in NFTs. Absolutely. I'm not getting any NBA top shot and I'm not even getting Tobin Heath as much as I probably should. Uh, let's get to the next one. Uh, the jazz, their plane hit some birds and a lot of them said that in the moment when they had to turn the, the flight around an engine went out, they had to land. There's about 15 minutes where they thought they might not make it. They were texting loved ones. It felt like it might be over for them. Are you impressed with the jazz that they're ready to get on a flight and go to their next game? Yeah. I mean, I have to swipe up on this. I swipe up. Super like there's a a thought there of like when you hear the guys talk about, you know, saying goodbye to your loved ones because mm. you're not sure. Like, I can't imagine what it would be like to get back on a plane again. It would take a very long time. I mean, obviously, you, you have to for your job, but I can't imagine getting right back to action. Yeah, I'm going to swipe right. Swipe right. Totally agree. I do think on the one hand, it's nice for them that their job requires it because it's sort of ripping off of the Band-Aid. You can't delay your next flight because you're nervous. You just have to kind of go and do it. Um, I also feel bad for the birds because the plane is covered in blood, and it made me really sad to think about the birds that were just flying and just got taken out by a plane. Oh, it's Bain and Fitz. Finally, last question of sports Tinder. It's been announced that Matt Nagy is going to return to play calling for the Bears, and I guess the only question is, Fitz, should this ruin my weekend? I'm going to swipe right. Yeah, it's going to ruin it. Swipe I mean, right. You, swipe right. Don't worry. You got Andy Dalton. No! No! 
All right, I need alcohol, stat. I need a second final four game as good as the first. I need the anticipation of a potential Spade and Fitz IG live during or before the women's tournament game Sunday. More details on that later. Freddie and Fitzsimmons coming up. Mike Woodson joins the show at 9.30 Eastern. Thanks for listening to Spain and Fitz. Happy Friday. Thanks for listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. You can listen to the show weeknights at 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio. 